0: and you're going to be getting unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Visible is the wireless carrier that's constantly operating from a zone of truth. In their quest for total transparency, Visible wants you to know the monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at visible.com. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. Visit Williamsburg.
1: This is the podcast where we talk about everything Dungeons and Dragons, from bodacious bodices to backwater barracks. Today we're covering two subclasses of the Bard, the College of Swords and the College of Creation.
0: Hey Brian. Hey Will. How you doing man? I'm making it. I'm getting in there. I'm ready to talk about bards. I'm ready to talk about uh, a reflection of us, like how we are on the show, barding about. Oh, yeah. That's true. (laughs) How are you, man? What's up? (laughs) I'm doing good. I'm doing good.
1: I'm still getting used to the the recording of this remotely, but it's starting to become more of a groove, and uh, I'm ready to get into it. Definitely. Let's do it. All right. All right. So in the worlds of Dungeons and Dragons, words and music are not just vibrations of air, but vocalizations with power all their own. The bard is a master of song, speech, and the magic they contain. Bards say that the multiverse was spoken into existence, that the words of the gods gave it shape, and the echoes of these primordial words of creation still resound throughout the cosmos. The music of bards is an attempt to snatch and harness those echoes subtly woven into their spells and powers. The greatest strength of bards is their sheer versatility. Many bards prefer to stick to the sidelines in combat, using their magic to inspire their allies and hinder their foes from a distance. But bards are capable of defending themselves in melee if necessary, using their magic to bolster their swords and armor. Their spells lean towards charms and illusions rather than blatantly destructive spells. They have a wide-ranging knowledge of many subjects and a natural aptitude that lets them do almost anything well. Bards become masters of the talents they set their minds to perfecting from musical performance to esoteric knowledge. So That's your little uh, re-rundown of the Bard, which we've covered the Bard many times on this show. Um, but um, now we're getting into specifics here. So any questions about the Bard or any comments about the Bard before we tackle our first college, the College of Swords? You know, when
0: I was building my character, it was... Um... The versatility really did, does scream out in every iteration of the bard that I've ever built. The versatility is definitely there. It's just like inherently built into the class. Like I, I was almost overwhelmed by options, to so to speak. Right. Like, you know, just uh, so so much, especially when you start, uh, you know, inserting things like feats that give you even more versatility and options as far as character building. Yep. I was like, oh man, like glad that I. I took some time out of my day. Like you, you can throw together a fighter pretty quickly. If you have an idea of like who you want that fighter to be, uh, yeah, right. when you sit down to do a character sheet when you're sitting down to do a mm-hmm. barred character sheet, you're going to need to do like some reading. So definitely, uh, definitely prepare for that. If you're going to, yeah, there's a, there's a
1: lot of, there's a lot of thought. Like you said, there's just, a, there's a lot of options and like, um, versatility is the name of the game. Um, it's even more versatile than the rogue, which is ridiculously versatile. Um, Yes. As a matter of fact, you can basically build a rogue, which is kind of what I did, but let's get into it. Okay. So, first is the College of Swords. Bards of the College of Swords are called blades, and they entertain through daring feats of weapon prowess. Blades perform stunts such as sword swallowing, knife throwing, and juggling in mock combats. Though they use their weapons to entertain, they are also highly trained and skilled warriors in their own right. Their talent with weapons inspires many blades to lead double lives. One blade might use a circus troupe as cover for nefarious deeds such as assassination, robbery, and blackmail. Other blades strike at the wicked, bringing justice to bear against the cruel and powerful. Most troops are happy to accept a blade's talent for the excitement it adds to their performance, but few entertainers fully trust a blade in their ranks. Blades who abandon their lives as entertainers have often run into trouble that makes maintaining their secret activities impossible. A blade caught stealing or engaging in vigilante justice is too great a liability for most troops with their weapon skills and magic, these blades either take up work as enforcers for thieves guilds or strike out on their own as adventurers. So, oh, that's cool. Yeah, I I do like the College of Swords. So, I remember when the College of Swords came out, I was just like, "Oh, it's kind of like the College of Valor, but just a little bit more fightery." Um, but reading more into it, the College of Valor Bard, which we're not really talking about today, is kind of like what if a bard was also a part-time fighter? Well,
0: the College of Swords is more like what if a bard was a part-time rogue? Yeah, I mean, there's uh, there's a couple of like it says you can go the rogue route, and it also says you can go like the more, um, I mean, like knightly. It seems like or paladin like. I was like, you know? I was thinking more along the lines of like the more Robin Hoodie, you
1: know, the more like you know fight yeah, the wicked, give back to the poor kind of deal.
0: I guess that's true.
1: But, yeah, I mean you could get all zealous about it. I mean you could you could uh, slap some zeal onto pretty much any character class and become like a a holy zealot so but yeah, so first up, the college sword uh, bard gets some bonus proficiencies at level three, which is of course the level which you're going to choose the subclass. Um, when you join the college of swords at third level, you gain proficiency with medium armor and the scimitar. If you're proficient with a simple or martial melee weapon, you can use it as a spellcasting focus for your bard spells, which is really nice, so you're not, you know, having to switch out your, your melee weapon for a spellcasting focus. It's, you know, quite quite handy.
0: Yeah, that is pretty cool, just to have it right <laughs> with you.
1: Indeed. Um, also at level 3, you get a fighting style, very much like a fighter would. Uh, You adopt a style of fighting as your specialty. Choose one of the following options. You can't take a fighting style option more than once, even if something in the game lets you choose again. So you are very limited. It's not like a fighter, a paladin, a ranger where you get like five or six options. You get two. You can either choose dueling or two-weapon fighting. Um, Dueling... When you are willing a melee weapon in one hand and no other weapons, you get a plus two bonus to damage rolls with that weapon. Um, as we know, that also works if you have a shield in the other hand. So that's a really good one if you want bo- uh, bonus to defense and damage. Um, the next one is the more flashy one, two-weapon fighting. When you engage in two-weapon fighting, you could add your ability modifier to the damage of the second attack. Which, of course, is really nice because otherwise dual-wielding is not so useful because you don't really get that ability modifier to... And make the damage worth worth using your bonus bonus action.
0: Yeah, I wonder which one of these is more popular. Because um, I like the idea a lot of having a shield. You know, boost boost that AC, protect yourself mm-hmm. a little more in combat, and then you do get that that little extra damage. Um, you know, plus two to damage. That's super meaningful at third level. You know, over the course of a fight,
1: it really is, and especially like. If you're trying to compare it damage wise to the two handed, um, overall the two handed like probably does like give you a little bit more output, but not enough to like probably counterbalance that plus two to AC. I'm pretty sure all optimization guides I've ever seen really kind of poo poo on uh, dual wielding, which is a shame because dual wielding is really flashy and fun. But I guess when it comes down to it, that's why we like dual wielding is because it is flashy and fun.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like if your character has a If you have a certain fighting style in mind or if you want the image of someone with two weapons in there in each hand, you know, like that's, you know, that's up to you. You know, if you want to have that, uh, that flavor, that image, you know, a lot of people really like that. Indeed.
1: And I I vaguely remember because I did build this character almost a month ago at this point, but I'm pretty sure I built a dual wielder, but we'll get to it. So you get another feature at level three. Um, This is the big one. Uh, It's called Blade Flourish. At third level, you learn to perform impressive displays of martial prowess and speed. Whenever you take the attack action on your turn, your walking speed increases by 10 feet until the end of your turn. And if a weapon if a weapon attack that you make as part of this action hits a creature, you can use one of the following blade flourish options of your choice. You can choose you can use only one blade flourish option per turn. So immediately. That's awesome. You're getting extra mobility every time you attack, and if you're a College of Sword Bard, uh, you're probably attacking most turns. So, like, you're... Especially if you're an elf who already has a higher walking speed, I think Wood Elf is, like, 35 or something like that. Like, an extra 10, like, you're moving all over the place. But the three flourishes you get are thus follows. Uh, First is Defensive Flourish. You can spend one use of your Bardic Inspiration to cause the weapon to deal extra damage to the target you hit. The damage equals the number you roll on the Bardic Inspiration die. You also add that number a roll to your AC until the start of your next turn. So a little bit of extra damage, a little bit of extra AC. Um, that's probably going to get used a lot. Next up, cool. is, slashing. Yeah, next up is Slashing Flourish. Uh, you can expend one use of your Bardic ex- Inspiration to cause the weapon to deal extra damage to the target you hit and to any other creature of your choice that you can see within 5 feet of you. This damage is equal to the number you roll on your Bardic Inspiration die. This one isn't going to be used as much as the first, but it is really nice if you're fighting, like, a bunch of clustered, like, goblins or something, and you just want to do some real good, like, splash damage, which I I just picture, like, just this crazy flourish of just nicking up everybody and leaving them all bleeding.
0: Yeah, uh, it looks like a Captain America shield, like, if you throw it and you hit, like, two guys, and then the sword comes back to you or something like that. Um, Right, yeah. That's pure flavor, because you're not doing, like, a range thing, but um, it's kind of interesting. because still... You get uh, with the blade singer, you get the green flame blade cantrip, and that's going to do mm-hmm. like a similar thing where it's going to hit splash damage onto somebody within five feet of the guy you hit. It's kind of cool, yeah. Definitely for mobs.
1: Yeah, uh, you know what? Now that I think about it, does this could this stack with green flame blade? Because you do you are taking an attack action, but. I'd have to look at the wording for Green Flame Blade because that's like double splash damage. That could be a really good synergy if that if that works out. Uh, uh, rules as written. Uh, mm. I'll check it out while
0: you're while you're doing stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay. So the final flourish you get of the three is called Mobile Flourish. You can spend one use of your Bardic Inspiration to cause the weapon to deal extra damage to your target. Uh, The damage equals the number you roll on the Bardic Inspiration die. You can also push the target up to 5 feet away from you, plus a number of feet equal to the number that you roll on that die. You can then immediately use your reaction to move up to your walking speed to an unoccupied space within 5 feet of the target. Now this one I love because it's got a lot of utility. Very much, very, very, very much reminds me of like 4th edition powers, where like at will, especially if you were like a controller or a defender class, you can move your enemy around to a more you know advantageous like setup you know depending on your situation plus you can you know throw someone off a cliff or into a hole too so that's pretty nice
0: okay that that is that is fun i i like that one's probably my favorite because you're a bard and you even though you're this this sword fighting bard you might not want to have people all up in your space like that especially a bigger monster um so that can hit harder so you might want to go into a more, like, advantageous position on the battlefield, and this will help you do that. Um, I have a couple of weird issues with some of these. Like, you're going to increase your movement by 10 feet, right, when you take the attack action and do one of these. So the the mobile Mm -hmm. flourish is probably the only one where that's, like, super-duper relevant to move after because otherwise you're going to be engaged and you might take opportunity attacks, which, I mean, that could be something you're willing to do. But I think the mobile flourish is, like, the most... uh, most useful for that ability for sure yeah i think Um, you're
1: right there but let me reread this real quick because let me see whenever you take the attack action on your turn you're walking yeah so you do have to take the attack action before your speed increases so you're right like yeah mobile flourish is where that's going to come into play um i just like the idea of like i really like the tactical part of the game as much as i like love the role-playing part of the game and you know 5th edition is great, and the combat's great, and, like, the tactical stuff's there if you really want to, like, dig into it, but I, I like it when the game makes it easier for you. Um, again, one of the strengths of four E was just how tactical you can get on the battlefield, and I really like the idea of getting into the nitty-gritty of, like, moving people around, you know, getting that advantage, getting the flanking, pushing someone into, you know, like, with mobile flourish, maybe pushing someone into the... Uh, the more the tankier guys, like aggro area, and then having your paladin, your fighter, kind of more pull that target towards them to protect your more squishy spellcasters and stuff.
0: I really like getting into that. I like the strategy. um And yeah, and I, I can really see. Provides that. I can see why that is super. Like I love when I played a fighter, and when I'm playing a blade singer right now, I love the mobility of being able to move without like. Having to take opportunity attacks because I, I multi-class a rogue, so I'm going to use my bonus action a lot to be like disengaging yeah. and to like get where I need to be, going for an attack, become defensive afterwards, and like get a really good position on the battlefield. It's super meaningful. And one thing you could do is if, let's say you're running up to charge into battle and you're like 30 feet away, you have to use your full movement to get to your first enemy. What you could do mm-hmm. is take the defensive flourish, hit the hit the enemy. And then if you don't leave melee range, you can use that extra 10 feet to get onto whatever side of the enemy that you want to be that is most advantageous for you. So that that's a cool thing a- that you can do. Um, yeah, so yeah. in terms of green flame blade, uh, I, we should have kind of known this right up front. You're going to use your action to cast a spell and not take the attack action. So there's no oh, stacking Okay, that. yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. I, I pulled I, it up. Like, oh, duh, like yeah, it. this is a spell. I know the wording with the cantrip, with the, with the attack cantrips is a little funny, so... It yeah, a stack, you use still. your you use your action to take to use a spell, and the spell mm-hmm. says make a melee attack. So you you use uh, your action so you're to not do taking a spell. the spell action. Exactly. Gotcha. gotcha. Yeah, it's all about like um, to, uh, like the order in which you select. You know, in this case, it very
1: much is. So, um, because you you talked briefly about multiclassing. If I was to like build a. College of Swords Bard for the long term, I would definitely dip a couple levels into Rogue for that sneak attack and a couple other things. It's just the synergy yeah. is just too good to not.
0: It it really is. And you're going to get, like, a lot of magic bonuses just because you're a Bard. <laughs> you're, you know, you get that full caster feel.
1: Yeah, I would definitely, like, choose a College of Sword Bard, or Rogue over an Arcane Trickster Rogue.
0: You know what I mean? that would like no, that rogue- extra magic. Rogue, Paladin, Warlock—those are all like excellent multi-classes. I could see, I could pretty much see either of that, any of those being stacked with this, very much so. But um, let's move on.
1: So at level six, you get the extra attack feature, which is you get to attack twice instead of once when you make your attack action. Mm -hmm. And finally, at level fourteen, you get the 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 final big feature. It's called Master's Flourish. Whenever you use a blade flourish option, which you're probably going to use a lot, you can roll a d6 and use it instead of a spending a bardic inspiration die. So now you can do it add infinitum for free. You don't have to use that inspiration die, which is nice cuz you you really want to use that inspiration die for the more healy stuff that you do. Um if you can. So obviously you got to wait till level 14, which is a long time to wait, but um that would be a very refreshing option to get uh once you get there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um should we go over bardic inspiration die since it, it might have been a while for like maybe it there's a newer player out there. been a while. Do you
1: do you have it pulled up already?
0: Uh, I'm in the process of pulling it up. I thought maybe you okay. would have already had it. No, but I'm very close. I think
1: it's a good idea, and like I wish I had like already set that up beforehand. It's something I should have thought of. But yeah, no, you're, you're good. I, up, I, yeah, I let's have go it. over bardic yeah. inspiration die. Cool. I'll, I'll read it. Give so it to um,
0: us. at first level, you're gonna get the bardic inspiration. It's it's like a big mainstay of the bard. It's it's the huge it like you know a bard is really um, more of like a buff class or like a role playing class to me. Personally, I mean these these subclasses really give you like the utility to move forward with your own actions and combat and stuff and like maybe magic, but uh, yeah. this is the this is what every bard gets. You can inspire others through stirring words or music. To do so, use a bonus action on your turn to choose one creature that you, uh, other than yourself, within sixty feet of you who can hear you. That creature gains one bardic inspiration die, a d6. Uh, once within the next 10 minutes, the creature can roll the die and add the number uh, rolled to one ability check, attack roll, or saving throw it makes. That's super duper powerful. Um, mm-hmm. So you, the player gets the choice that receives the inspiration die. The creature can wait until after it rolls the uh, the d20 uh, before deciding to use the bardic inspiration die, but must decide before the DM says whether the roll succeeds or fails. Once the bardic inspiration die is rolled, it is lost. A creature can only uh, can have only one bardic inspiration die at a time, so no stacking them. You can use this feature a number of times equal to your charisma modifier, with a minimum of once. You regain any expended uses when you finish a long rest. Uh, your bardic inspiration die changes when you reach certain levels in this class. The die becomes a d8 at fifth level, a d10 at tenth level, and a d12 at fifteenth level. Uh, and that nice. that really kind of scales like when you're doing casting, especially with cantrips. You know those those cantrip buffs kind of scale with your character level. This is gonna do the same thing um with your bard level. Uh so yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, really, really, really cool. And I think the um later on you can is that every bard where you get uh Bardic inspiration die recharges at short rests. I believe so, yes. Yeah, I think I think that's every bard. I re- I read it in here. I'm pretty earlier, sure it's every bard. Yeah, we'll talking about it. this
1: reminds me how freaking nice it is to have
0: a bard in your party <laughs> i know and and they're really good at everything like when we say that they're versatile this jack of all trades feature which you get at second level uh you take mm-hmm. half your proficiency bonus you round it down on any ability check that you make that doesn't already include your proficiency bonus so any check that you're going to do is going to be buffed any ability check, yeah you're good it's you just really so are good. good at everything yeah yeah you, you can <laughs> do right. some heals so any, any other you, comments a little bit okay. of everything
1: Oh, yeah. yeah any other comments on the the sword bard before we move on to my character? I would like to know who your roguish uh, archetype bard is. Okay, so I, I did I did do what I said I was going to do last time we did the character episode, and I actually wrote a little thing so that I didn't uh, I wasn't trying to pull all the information from my head. Um, okay. So this character is very obviously based off of a fictional character, which I. I Can't wait for people to guess in the comments. I'm pretty sure certain readers of certain books will figure it out very quickly, but I'm not going to say who. So my character's name is Killane. Killane is a stern and intense individual with a powerful and commanding presence, though he hides this most of the time behind friendly smiles and a silver tongue. Killane uses his charisma to get what he wants, and more often, that is with honey over vinegar. He's also a rebel against the established aristocracy engaging in criminal activity aimed at hurting the rich and the powerful and of course lining his own pockets and the pockets of his men. Though likable and friendly to those who are acquainted with him, a fiery passion uh, a fiery passionate anger burns in this man that those close to him see. He's dangerous and at times reckless, and he's not to be trusted. Kalein was born to a servant woman in the employ of a nobleman whose identity is unknown. Whoever this aristocrat was, though, he wanted no bastards. His mother was killed, and Kalein was to be taken care of by abandonment at an orphanage in a city far from his birth. His childhood was a life of meagerness and misery. Not enough food and no money led to thieving and begging, which in turn led to running with young gangs and low-level thug work. Uh, Kell was a natural grifter and sneak thief and had a disposition for taking charge. Here he learned how to give orders and coer- coerce coarse and angry people to do what he desired. He learned well and his gang prospered, eventually enough to garner the attention of a local prominent thieves guild, led by a cutthroat savant, a half-elf named Kel... uh... Callan Trace Callan was a true savant, a master thief, a magician, a minstrel, and a spy. He operated heists that were legendary and had never been caught, and he was always recruiting new talent. The word of a young man, barely eight years old, causing ruckus in the slums with well-coordinated gang activity, had reached him, and he was intrigued. He offered Kallen a job, one that involved a break-in, one where Kel had to make a choice between himself and his men, and he chose himself. And he left his men caught by the authorities and himself with the prize to present to his new master. And Cal passed the test. Over the years, Kalein learned everything he could from Valin: Subterfuge, disguises, music, and swordplay. How to hide his intentions with a smile. And in Kalein, Valin forged a, prodig- a prodigy in the making, another version of himself. But Kalein wanted more than riches. He wanted revenge and justice. Master and student have parted ways, and Kalein has found his way back to the city of his birth. He's assembled a team, and now it's time to plan the heist of his life. So that nice. is my character, his backstory, based off a fictional character. I think it's pretty obvious, but good stuff. So let's look at his uh, character stat block. I only built him up to level six. Um, he's all charisma and dexterity. He dual wields a couple scimitars. Um, I got him trained in athletics, performance, um, Oh, I guess I didn't choose a lot of other stuff. But let's go with stealth and sleight of hand. I'm really leaning into the roguish stuff. Um, only 33 hit uh, points. Know, go ahead.
0: Uh what I was going to say with the um I had a similar problem with the uh with the skill proficiencies. There's mm-hmm. actually not very many that you get to choose for for bard, which is a little interesting why uh You know, you get all these powerful features later on, like expertise. So I was thinking, Mm -hmm. like, I was going to get to – with this jack-of-all-trades thing, I was like, okay, well, I'll I'll be good at a lot of skills. But the jack-of-all-trades thing, I I think, is there to cover this. You get, like, a lot of – you get a lot more tool proficiencies with bards. Like, it made me pick three instruments and three skills, and then I didn't pick any more skills after that. So I was like, oh, so expertise later, like – I didn't have an it's, extra. I ran out of skills to choose. Right. Yeah. It's definitely the,
1: uh, the Jack of all trades thing that's supposed to cover it. So I think for the background, I chose Urchin because he lived on the streets. Um, I, I grabbed a couple feats for him. So the first was Dual Wielder, which gives him plus AC while he's wielding separate melee weapons. And, um, I was going to try and use it so that he could dual wield, uh like, long swords, and I was going to lean into his strength, but it just didn't feel right, so I went back to the scimitar. He still gets that plus one AC, which is nice. And then I also gave him the medium armor master feat, so wearing medium armor doesn't impose disadvantage on his stealth checks, and when he wears medium armor, he can add three rather than two to his AC with uh, his dex mod, so... That's not going to come into play at his level right now, but theoretically later on it would. Totally. Um, okay. I went with human. I don't. I don't think I said that before, so that's how we got the the extra feet there because I I still bump my ability scores up. Um, let me see here. Is there anything else of particular? Oh yes, yeah, spells. So I tried to choose ones that really fit into his background. So his cantrips are friends light and prestidigitation. He knows command, featherfall, calm emotions, com- um, detect thoughts, invisibility, silent suggestion, um, enemies abound and slow. So all stuff really geared towards controlling other people around him, or at least influencing them and or just subterfuge and stealth and stuff like that and and gotcha. escaping a tight situation. So he definitely puts Sounds himself awesome. first. Yeah. He's a very chaotic, neutral character, which is really not my speed. As a matter of fact, this guy's based off a character that I actually hate, even though he's a great character, like, <laughs> like narratively speaking. It's a character that
0: frustrates me and I do not like. Um, yeah. But that can be a good thing in a story, right? To have that, um, like, antagonistic feel uh, for right. some sort of dichotomy. Yeah.
1: Indeed. I do think that if I were to like include this person in a campaign I was playing, it would be one of those one of those uh, characters that's that could lean towards being a villain, uh, but also could be an ally, and is definitely one of those not to be trusted, more neutral sources of information and or interaction
0: for the party. If coming from a DM, yeah. So you you picked a human, human, yes. And you went with like it's it's more of like a Robin Hood type character if I'm getting that correctly right like in, in Kinda, that sort of feel. Colleen would definitely
1: want you to think that about himself, but Colleen serves Colleen's right. purposes, and um, he's he's kind of a sociopath. Like he doesn't really care about his men, even though he makes his men definitely feel like he does, and he might even believe he does until the moment comes where he has to cut them loose, in which he'll do it in a heartbeat. Okay,
0: for sure. Yeah, he's kind of a bastard. Um, yeah, I, I can see that. Uh, so that that's actually really cool. I like that. And and how much is the guild gonna play into like this character? Like, if you were to sit this character down in the campaign, were you kind of imaging imagining a a guild type setting where you have to like report back to them a lot and things like that? So
1: I kind of the way I wrote it was like he's walked away from his old master and he's in a different city now. But, like, obviously the DM would be able to come in and be like, yeah, your dude, Valen, you know, he says he's in trouble and he needs you. What are you going to do? You know what I mean? Like, as, you could use right. that as different hooks, you know? when oh, your old thieves guild has been infiltrated by an old enemy. Are you going to go back? Kind of deal. So, you know, it, it's definitely open for that. But, um, but, like, basically this guy wants revenge on his father who killed his mother and banished him. And he's come back to the city of his birth to kind of, like, raise hell upon the aristocracy.
0: Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at Shopify.com slash DungeonCast, all lowercase. Go to Shopify.com slash DungeonCast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash DungeonCast.
1: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So next up, we're talking about the College of Creation. Now, this is a newer one. This one is available in... uh, Tasha's, guide a is Tasha's cauldron of everything. That's it.
0: Cauldron Which... of all the things. What was that? Uh, I, I did my funny name for it. Oh. <laughs> the Cauldron it. of all Sorry. the things.
1: Yes, it is the Cauldron <laughs> of all the things. Um, and this is an interesting one. It really leans into what we talked about at the beginning of the episode where like uh, uh, the bards kind of tap into this echoes of like the music of creation and stuff like that. And um, yes, yeah, let's, let's get into it. So bards believe the cosmos is a work of art, the creation of the first dra- uh, thoughts of dragons and gods. Uh, the creative work included harmonies that continue to resound through resistance today, a power known as the Song of Creation. The bards of the College of Creation draw on that primeval song through dance music and poetry, and their teachers share this lesson. Before the sun and the moon, there was the song and its music awoke the first dawn. Melodies so delighted the stones and trees that some of them gained a voice of their own. And now they sing too. Learn the song students and you too can teach the mountains to sing and dance. Dwarves and gnomes often encourage their bars to become students of the song of creation. And among dragonborn, the song of creation is revered for legends portray Bahamut and tiamat the greatest of dragons as two
0: of the songs first singers. Yeah. I love, I love, love, love this lore so much. Like, uh, it's one of my favorite things about the bard in general because what I see in fantasy writing uh, more often in, in recent times mm-hmm. is they use like the the song you know as a um, something that pervades everything, all of you know the entire cosmos, just like this is saying, um, right. <clears throat> and and it's kind of fun because you can. You can kind of draw a parallel between like if everything is just these vibrations, you know, and we're seeing like the the production of like everything, all these molecules just vibrating together, all this like random material that's coalesced. Right. So the song, the song really does pervade through everything, like how you know every language is just a another another way of expression, but they're all essentially the same thing.
1: Right. Right. Exactly. That's really really it's, good. It's concept. really cool. I, like, I like it a lot. Indeed. So, the first feature you get at level 3 is called mote of Potential. So, um, whenever you give a creature a Bardic Inspiration die, you can utter a note from the Song of Creation to create a tiny Moat of Potential, which orbits within 5 feet of that creature. The Moat is intangible and invulnerable, and it lasts until the Bardic Inspiration die is lost. The Moat looks like a musical note, a star, a flower, or another symbol of art or life that you choose. When the creature uses the Bardic Inspiration die, the mode provides an additional effect based on whether the die benefits an ability check, an attack roll, or a saving throw, as detailed below. So, you know, like with a lot of the newer uh, subclasses, these subclasses get really wordy and complicated. So, we're going to go over each of these different effects that your mode of potential can cover. So, first is ability check. When the creature rolls the Bardic Inspiration Die to add it to an ability check, the creature can roll the Bardic Inspiration Die again and choose which roll to use, as the moat pops and emits colorful, harmless sparks for a moment. So it's like, you have advantage on it, which is kind of cool. Um, if you use it for an attack roll, immediately after the creature rolls the Bardic Inspiration Die to add it to an attack roll against a target, the moat thunderously shatters. The target and each creature of your choice that you can see within 5 feet of it must succeed on a constitution saving throw against your spell save DC or take thunder damage equal to the number rolled on the bardic inspiration die. That's fun. That's, that's pretty cool. And then finally, saving throw. Immediately after the creature rolls the bardic inspiration die and adds it to a saving throw, the moat vanishes with the sound of soft music causing the creature to gain temporary hit points equal to the number rolled on the bardic inspiration die plus your charisma modifier. So... Very supportery and I really I love it. I kind of love every bit of it.
0: Yeah, this is just a bonus off of your your bardic inspiration die. Like, do the bardic inspiration die stuff even more. Like, here's yeah, exactly. a here's a bonus for that.
1: <laughs> there was a um, long time ago, back in my fourth edition days, there was a player I played with who rolled a bard, and they reflavored everything, uh, and they they called themselves an, an ink mage, and basically all of their spells. They were, like, paintings that they would do with, like, a magic paintbrush and bring to life. And I could see that very much fitting with this Bard of Creation.
0: Yeah, we, we've we talked about that before. Like, when we talk about, like, you know, a lot of the Bard stuff is geared more towards music when mm-hmm. we talk about Bard. But there's a lot of Bard stuff that's, like, these Bards are not just musicians. They're historians. They're storytellers uh, within right. your world. Uh, and And, yeah, you can do... But you, they can, that could translate to any kind of performance or, like, you know, poetry or art or, you know, anything creative, really. You can kind of put a layer over your bard and use that as flavor. It's like all these tool proficiencies that you get to select in D&D Beyond. Just, like, change them to whatever it is that you want your bard to be doing. Yep,
1: absolutely. Reflavor it all. So you get another feature at level 3. It's called Performance of Creation. As an action, you can channel the magic of the Song of Creation to create one non-magical item of your choice in an unoccupied space within 10 feet of you. The item must appear on a surface or in a liquid that can support it. The gold value of the item can't be more than 20 times your bard level, and the item must be medium or smaller. The item glimmers softly, and a creature can faintly hear music when touching it. The created item disappears after a number of hours equal to your proficiency bonus. For example... Of items that you can create, see the equipment chapter of the player's handbook. Once you create an item with this feature, you can't do so again until you finish a long rest unless you expend a spell slot of second level or higher to use this feature again. You can have only one item created by this feature at a time, If you use this action and already have an item from this feature, the first one immediately vanishes. The size of the item you can create with this feature increases by one size size category when you reach 6th level, which it can then be large, and then 14th level, which it can then be huge. And I went ahead and we got the stat block for your item here. And it's called a uh, dance.
0: Go ahead. uh, Did you want me to read it since it's a stat block? Yeah, you know, you go right ahead. So the dancing item is a large or smaller construct with an armor class of sixteen, hit points of ten, plus five times your bard level. So for me, I'm I'm creating a level ten bard. I usually just go with level ten because it gets a like a nice scope of features for the class. But um, it's gonna be five well, uh, well, you know five times up. Hold ten. Hold, hold plus up before 10.
1: we hold up before we cover this, because you know what? There there's kind of more to talk about, and then we'll come back to this because I'm I'm realizing this. This block really is attached more to the next feature, which is also part of this uh, performance of creation feature. It's all tied together. So let me explain the dancing item before we go over the stat block. Sorry about that, man. That's my bad. Sure. Yeah. So at level six, you get animating performance. So as an action, you can target a a large or small non-magical item that you can see within 30 feet of you and animate it. The animate item uses the dancing item stat block, which uses your proficiency bonus. The item is friendly to you and your companions and obeys your commands. It lives for one hour until it is reduced to zero hit points or until you die. Um, In combat, the item shares your initiative count, but it takes its turn immediately after yours. It can move and use its reaction on its own, but the only action it takes on its turn is the dodge action. Um, Unless you take a bonus action on your turn to command it to take another action. That action can be one of its stat block or some other action. If you are incapacitated, the item can take any action of its choice, not just dodge. When you use your bardic inspiration feature, you command the item as part of the same bonus action you use your bardic inspiration. Once you animate an item with this feature, you can't do so again until, until you finish a long rest unless you expend a spell slot of third level or higher to use this feature again. You can have only one item animated by this feature at a time. If you use this action and already have a dancing item from this feature, the first one immediately becomes an animate. And now Brian tells us all about this dancing item stat block.
0: Right, so larger, smaller construct with an armor class of 16 natural armor with HP of 10 plus 5 times your bard level. It's got mm-hmm. a speed of 30 feet and a flying speed or hover of 30 feet. Uh, so it's going to have a strength of 18, a dex of 14, constitution of 16, intelligence of 4, a wisdom of 10, and charisma of 6. Uh, it's going to be immune to poison and psychic, and if you're immune to poison, it means you're strong. Conditional <laughs> immunities are charmed, exhaustion, poisoned, frightened. Uh, you, it's going to get dark vision of sixty feet, uh, passive nice. perception of ten. Its languages are going to be. Uh, it's going to be understand the languages you speak. So it's just going to mirror that. Um, mm. It's not listing a challenge rating. Its proficiency bonus equals your bonus. Uh, the first feature is the immutable form. The item is immune to any spell or effects that would alter its form. Mm. An irrepressible dance. When any creature starts its turn within 10 feet of the item, the item can increase or decrease, and it's up to you, the walking speed of that creature by 10 feet until the end of the turn, provided the item isn't incapacitated. And for the actions, so, uh, it's got force... Oh, go ahead. Oh, so I take it. It just it starts dancing
1: around whatever creature starts moving and impeding it.
0: Yes. Okay,
1: nice. Go ahead. Sorry.
0: <laughs> well, uh, yeah. Well, it could, Or, you know... I don't know how you would flip that to make it somebody go faster, but you could do that too. Uh um, maybe it, like gets behind them and starts like pushing them. <laughs> the power, the, if it's an instrument, which like I was thinking, mine might be, uh, it it would uh, the power of music would make you go fast. I don't know. There you go. <laughs> um, we'll get there. Uh, so the actions are a force empowered slam. So force is like magical, like like Eldritch blast does force damage, right? So force empowered yep. slam melee melee weapon attack. Your spell attack modifier to hit uh, is what you use. It's got a reach of five feet and one target. Uh, it's got to hit one target you can see. Uh, let's see, it's gonna do one d10 plus uh, PB force. Force damage. What? 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 PB force damage. What is that?
1: Proficiency bonus force damage.
0: Oh, yeah, I, see, a, I see. So the reason bonus.
1: this thing doesn't have a challenge rating is because it's tied into your growth as a character. So its challenge rating right. just fluctuates.
0: Yeah, I wonder how similar this is to the artificers, um, like Gollum. I, I don't oh, have yeah, that the up uh, next the iron me, defender. Yeah, it, it's really reminding me a lot of that.
1: Yeah, yeah, it, it, it is similar in some ways. So this, this feature seems to be basically kind of three things. It's a little bit of extra damage. It is kind of a tactical controller, which you know I like. It's slowing down your enemies. It's speeding up your allies, you know. So it's helping control the battlefield. And then it's also a distraction because if, you know, you're fighting, I don't know, a dumb ogre, this thing's going to be really annoying to it and probably distract it off your guys, which is nice. <laughs>
0: Yeah, especially if it's noisy, which I'm thinking it might be. Um, Definitely, and yeah, yeah, an extra body on the field is always uh, super beneficial. Uh, Eating turns in Dungeons and Dragons is really is really uh, mechanically embedded into the game, so Mm. this might eat up somebody's turn just as a distraction. Yeah, absolutely. And its defenses
1: are nothing to sneeze at. We got a natural 16 armor class, and uh, its physical stats, strength to decks, and con are very impressive. Like, if that was a fighter, that would be a buff ass fighter.
0: <laughs> yeah, its AC might be higher than yours. Yeah,
1: exactly. Its AC might be higher than yours. So that's fantastic. And its HP is like, it's okay. It depends on your bard level, I suppose. Like, Let's see a level five bard, so thirty five HP. Eh, it's about it's about the same as whatever your bard's HP is going to be, but um, yeah, right. And depending on how
0: you you use it, it could it could be on the field for like three to five turns. You know, if it's getting attacked, it's definitely a fun and unique feature. I love it. Um, I love it. So I like how you can use your um your proficiency or your spell slots to do it again. Yes, that is nice. Where it's
1: like. It's kind of a cap on how many times you can do it, but if you really want to do it, you can kind of push through. I like that soft cap. Yes. So the final feature you get as a College of Creation bard is called Creative Crescendo, and you get this at level 14. Um, when you use your Performance of Creation feature, you can create more than one item at once. So the number of items equals your Charisma modifier with a minimum of two. You, If you create an item that would exceed that number, you choose which of the previously created item disappears only one of these items can be of the maximum size you can create. The rest must be small or tiny. You're mm-hmm. no longer limited by gold value when creating items with the performance of creation. And very much wow, as that's the cool. name Yeah, very much as the name of this subclass is and of all these subclass features are, like this really is a creative feature. And like it nothing immediately pops out to me as like what I would use this for. Um if I were playing this, but like, I'm sure if you were to sit down and really pour over all the items you can make, you know, all the different situations you could use those items, I'm sure some crazy creative stuff can come out of this.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, the options are almost unlimited when it comes to Exactly,
1: this so it's it's one of those like things the, where the it's The gold like, count was what was the big limiter. It was, and it's one of those things where it's like, oh yeah, that seems really awesome until someone comes up with something so genius it breaks the game, the DM's like,
0: god damn it. <laughs> yeah i mean well you cross that bridge when you get to it you know exactly as a dungeon master you got to be ready for that your
1: players are always going to do that and that's okay you know it's fun stuff so anything you want to add before we get into your character uh no i'm ready all right tell me all about your character brian
0: i'm I'm very curious okay well um (laughs) i i I was very conflicted at what direction I wanted to go in when I was reading the stats. Cause at first I was like, okay, I have a clear like picture of a dynamic character I want to create. And then halfway through, when you start like getting into these like animating objects, like kind of thing, like cause you could do, you could take spells as your bard to, to do that sort of thing too. Like the bard spell list is, is really nice. Yeah. Um, but you know, uh, I, I really got into some Yen Sid sort of, feels, like a Sorcerer's Apprentice stuff. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. that would be fun to do. But I really like the first thing I came up with. So um, I, I ripped the name out of a game that uh, I, I used to play this wizard in um, your special guest Jake's game that he played for a little while. I played with him. Oh, yeah. You and uh, his na- Yeah, it's nothing like that character. I just like the name so much. And it, I think it fits a lot better in on this character than that one. But uh, my character's name is Jonner. <laughs> um, inspired <Good. laughs> inspired okay. by john connor from terminator you the don't Terminator say. series yeah and then uh so so i was thinking i would i would just lift uh john connor turn him into con johnner but uh i took a um a protector asmr is going to be the class i went with okay. um it's going to give you that nice plus two boost to charisma so that was I thought that would be cool to like buff the bard and I wanted to give him the soldier background and make him a military leader of high rank um fighting in the post apocalypse where the Warforged have taken over. Nice. <laughs> Hell um, yeah. <laughs> uh yeah. I'll call it uh I'll call it Weavenet instead of Skynet, like the magical weave. <laughs> Absolutely. And, yes. Uh, yeah. So we're um so conjoner is uh is uh, the, one of the leaders of the resistance fighting against the Warforged controlled by the weave net um a they want to eradicate uh mankind right, and and i guess uh humanoid kind and all of all of their fleshy uh stupidity i guess mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh so with with conjoner i i you know i want to go with the um i really like the idea of a uh of a military using the features of bards to like provide support to troops in combat, so oh, like kind of like just, a, like a warlord, like a like
1: a, a combat like inspirational leader.
0: Yeah, like uh, like I I really love the idea of an army like charging forward. You know, clerics in the back sort of thing to like run up and do heels on people. And then, uh, a, like a big horse drawing a, a wagon with a bard in the back of the wagon, just like <laughs> fucking jamming, right? Like yeah, playing music absolutely. and like helping everybody kick ass, <laughs> you know, absolutely. giving out bardic inspiration, all that stuff. Um, this will be kind of like that. Like, not a, that's more of a fantasy setting. This is like a, we're a tactical guerrilla regime, you know, we, we hide in the sewers of the old societies and and make bunkers and all this stuff. But, um, yeah, the, the Protector ASMR is going to, like, fight for justice and do all this stuff um, a lot like uh, I picture uh, John Connor doing. Uh, for my proficiencies, I took the drum, the flute, and the lute, and mostly because that sounded nice when I was yeah, going absolutely. through the list. <laughs> uh, and then I took Arca- uh, Arcana, History, and Persuasion. So the Arcana is big for the creation bard to, like, understand what they're doing and how it all works uh history and not just the <laughs> this is this is going to be weird because i'm going to tie my character into like time like um of course you are <laughs> like you like the flavor, like the flavor is going to be uh, time travel a little bit so not just uh, proficient in history but in uh future history i guess uh-huh. oh, boy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh and then uh persuasion as a way to like help people like convince people to do what he knows is going to happen, like to fight the future pretty much. Or like, like, trust me, I know what's going to happen. Like we need to do this. Yeah. And so that I thought that would be really helpful. So then we move down to, um, the expertise. Uh, I'm going to take expertise in history and persuasion. Um, you know, expertise in history, not just past history. Um, my moat of potential. I, I was kind of thinking what the flavor of that should be, um, but uh, what, what do you think? Well, because it says it says here the moat looks like a musical note, star, or flower, or another symbol. Maybe mine should look like a little clock, like a digital counter. If
1: you're if you're really going with the time thing, then yeah, I think that's very fitting.
0: Yeah, it, uh, um, I think this will be post judgment day, uh, John Connor or Con okay. Johnner, So it'll be. Uh, <laughs> Maybe it'll be like time since judgment day. <laughs> oh, like so it's on the actually counter. like but it's
1: a clock that's been counting down since. Up. Or up well maybe yeah, up since. Yeah, yeah counting up since. I, like I don't
0: that. know. Um now I know
1: you chose ASMR for like a um a mechanical reasons. It was was there any like lore reasons that you went with that?
0: Not not really. I mean like uh like John Connor is supposed to be the savior of mankind, and this, okay, this protection so like ASMR a kind of like style thing. <laughs> yes, it's it's more like that than okay, than like cool. oh I'm you're, into that. you're chosen by God. Like God yeah. doesn't exist; it, it wouldn't have let the robots happen. Yeah, <laughs> you right. know, I don't know.
1: <laughs> sure, yeah.
0: Absolutely. Do they believe in that. God in Terminator? I haven't seen a Terminator movie where somebody's like praying yet. Me uh, neither. But I haven't been have watching any, any of the recent ones. That's also true because <laughs> they're so bad. <laughs> uh, For ability score increases, I took a feat instead of that. Um, And I went with Great Weapon Master. Uh, What? Okay. I I know. And I was looking at this like, okay, well, like, I like the bard thing. But also, this is a soldier fighting in the trenches. And Mm -hmm. so I kind of want uh, to go. I wanted to hit, like, how much military experience can I give to a full caster? And, And, like, how much versatility can I add to this? Uh, so yeah, I took great weapon master. Um, so on my turn, uh, when I score a critical hit with a melee weapon or reduce a creature to zero hit points with one, I can make one melee weapon attack as a bonus action. Um, and then before you make a melee weapon attack with a heavy weapon that you are proficient with, you can choose to take a minus five penalty to the attack rule. If the attack hits, you add plus 10 to the attack's damage. So kind of like an all or nothing. I can see... You know, grabbing, like, a big heavy weapon in a moment of need and and just kind of swinging it down overhead. Um, Okay, for sure. So, oh, here it is. The font of inspiration at fifth level is when you get to expend your bardic inspiration in in short rests. It's going to be critical for this character running away from from Warforged. Um, Counter charm, that's, like, a normal bard thing. Uh, Animating performance is the college of creation thing, like, using the dancing item. Um, I was thinking like it could be a big bass guitar. I thought that would be really cool. And and yeah, it's not? this that made me want to do the the Yen Sid like Sorcerer's Apprentice thing. Like like maybe I could just animate brooms and stuff, or like throw a broom down and animate objects to help have like a bunch of shit running around. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I kind of I mean, started getting lost in the weeds.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean it is a little bit, but is it? But it's cool. I mean, it, it's a crazy character, but I like it. I mean, if he's if he's out there in the trenches, like maybe. Uh, maybe he's animating like the upper torso of an already dead Warforged that's like singing or something. yeah, or, see or, that, or, like, that's yeah, what I was or, uh, thinking singing, is, like, like a military tune. T-
0: Yeah, or like the T eight hundred like let's let's boot up the T eight hundred and like have Arnold like I would make an Arnold Schwarzenegger with my anime <laughs> with my dancing item.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: <laughs> and um, <laughs> yeah, so that uh, like if I wanted to. Um, I think the the cool. So I think I am gonna go with the Arnold thing for the, the animated. Because uh, I thought I thought the big bass guitar would be cool, but I think Arnold would be better. Um, yeah. So now I it would I, create him. He would be a, like.
1: Hold on. Now I gotta see. There's there's a size limit on this thing, right? Oh no, it can be large. It can be large or small. Yeah. So yeah, you make that Arnold. <laughs> you do your thing, man. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and I was wondering like if there are all these scraps of robots around all the time of like Warforge, like uh-huh. I could probably like mitigate some of the gold use. Like how much would it cost to make it in the setting I'm uh I'm like planning on running this guy in cuz I'm not going right. to get to that level 14 today.
1: Um, yeah, yeah. But
0: um I mean, I would allow it. Like, <laughs> it's not going
1: to be able to do anything functional beyond what the stat block says anyway, so like who cares? Like that's awesome. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I thought like spare parts could mitigate the money thing, like what spare parts are around, and like maybe he'd have to carry some with him, like some kind of right. like military contraband, like, uh, you know, transport would hold that for him so he could use the materials to do that, or just like maybe he could just make it out of spare parts around. Like there's yeah. enough wreckage to like construct it. And I always imagine I would, it like I building would itself with
1: you on that. As a dungeon master, I would allow it, we'd, we'd figure something out together for sure.
0: Yeah, I think for the um, for the force empowered slam, that's pretty straightforward. This uh, <laughs> this irrepressible dance. <laughs> that's so funny <laughs> to think of him doing to think of Arnold Schwarzenegger doing this type of stuff. But um, so within ten feet of, the, I would <laughs> he'd be like, "Go over there if you want to live."
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly.
0: <laughs> and you get that extra ten feet, or like, yeah, <laughs> he would get in the way of somebody else. Uh, yeah, with, like big robot arms or whatever. Yeah, and it, it, it's difficult um, to move Arnold. He's such a big guy. He's so huge. Look at those shoulders, the <laughs> wingspan on this dude. Um. Uh, and I, uh, I'm saying Arnold, but I just mean the T800. I don't, I don't. Um, I know, I know, I, know I what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. Yeah. It's going to understand languages. Uh, yeah. Immune to poison. I think it's all tracks here so far for my second ability score improvement. I went with the skilled feet um, so I could pick extra skills here. So my, my military background gave me like a bunch of stuff too. It gave me like two extra skills, but um, uh, for the expertise I get at 10th level, I, before I took this feat. I I was, like, out of skills to pick that I wanted to use for expertise, which, like, Mm -hmm. I found kind of jarring for the bard, like, that that was possible. Like, you could just, like, lose out on, like, not having a skill. So I took athletics, acrobatics, and survival, because I thought that was all really, like, important for this character to have. uh, Mm -hmm. And I didn't pick it up front. So that kind of saved me there. And so I took the expertise on arcana and athletics when I got it. And then you get this cool thing at level 10 for bards um, called Magical Secrets. Uh, by 10th level, you have plundered magical knowledge from a wide spectrum of disciplines. Choose two spells from any class, including this one. Uh, a spell you choose must be uh, of a level you can cast as shown as the bard table cantrip, blah, blah, blah. Um, so it let me pick uh, two additional spells from any classes at 14th level and again at 18th level, but um, I took Summon Construct to do like more more construct nice. summoning, I guess. Yes. and and I also took Banishment to like kind of play with that time that time distortion. Yeah, and stuff. banish you into the time,
1: In, into time, into the past, into the future, whatever.
0: Yeah, like maybe my dancing item is like I time travel a T800 like into into being right there. Like, with some, right. like, I was thinking I could have, like, an item that's some, like, magical device that could dilate time like that. to has flavor, you know, just for this feature. Yeah, um, absolutely. And and kind of take some of the magical element away and replace it with the machines for this, like, sort of, like, setting I have in mind to play in. Um, right. Which is, you know, post-apocalyptic in a lot of ways. Um very much and so. uh, and but but yeah, that's pretty much inherently what the character is and what it's about. I, I think for the ability scores, I took like um, let me look at that really quick, because I know I tried to do like as much interesting stuff as I could. I mean, you did some uh, wild
1: stuff. I'm looking at it right now. And you, the dexterity is just a tragedy.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> I I picture him like, you know, sitting in the back and like doing bard shit and like right, making right. uh making things appear. And so he doesn't have to go fight. And uh, his soldiers probably wouldn't want him to die anyway. uh, Right. So he's going to sit in the back and...
1: This class doesn't have any synergy with the Artificer, or the Artificer, uh, but uh, I would love to see the multi-class here. It just feels like that's what this character should do.
0: So I almost took the Artificer Initiate feat, but it it was a little too complicated for the episode, Uh. I think. I think maybe okay, if I played sure. the character I would do that. But um yeah, I, I, I definitely got that too. When I was building, it, I was like, oh, that would be cool to like make even more stuff and yeah, make guns. Absolutely. Yeah, it just <laughs> um, it just feels that,
1: right for the character for sure.
0: It does. That might be a magical multi-class that I could take I could look into one day if I ever decide to play this character, if I happen upon a game in this sort of setting. But yeah, I took fifteenth strength. Uh I took eight decks, uh, ten con. 12 Intelligence, Wisdom, 13, which is getting boosted, and Charisma, 14, which is getting boosted. Um, so, yeah, Wisdom ends up being 14. Charisma ends up being a 16. But, yeah, that's that's pretty much the character in a nutshell right there. Of um, You know, I the mobility, yeah, it's sad. The AC is probably going to be really low. Like, I didn't really put a bunch of items or anything on this guy yet. I'm sure he's going to have some military-grade, you know, Rebel Alliance-grade stuff. So maybe not the best available, but you, they're making do. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, yeah, I really like. You, maybe you it definitely took the creation bard in like a wild direction I never see. I would never think of, but I think it's freaking awesome.
0: Yeah, I was like, ah, uh, like I, I could, I, I had classic fantasy in mind when I opened the sheet up, and then I immediately went away from that, and mm. then I almost went back to it like halfway through, but um, yeah, that was that was pretty much it, man. Like. Um, that was the... That's the creation bard I made.
1: Great job, man. Con Johnner. Well, I think... Con uh, with that, well, Yeah, with that being said, I think we can get ready for a long rest.
0: Yeah, let's do that. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the long rest, where we get ready for bed. And in our nighttime, you know, laying up at the ceiling, going to count sheep. Instead, we're going to count beams. Indeed, beholder we are. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're going we're gonna to build our beholder. Let's do a quick recap. Um... Let's see. Oh, nice. I think yes. we started. We started with the Eddercaps episode. We have a, a web beam and spider tentacles instead. So spider legs instead of tentacles, uh, with mm-hmm. little eyes on the end. Then we have the the monks episode where we did the uh, the Donzo hand. So <laughs> is what I wrote, but it's mm-hmm. it's a hand at the end of that tentacle with an eye in it, and then the beam nice. of ultimate mercy, which could heal yes. somebody super good. <laughs> um, Then we had the Goths episode where we skipped and we did the three hearts fact, factoid. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. Next, we had the Satyrs episode. Um, That was the beam of revelry. No, we gave it the useless goat legs.
1: Okay, that was goat legs and revelry beam. Oh my gosh, this thing's horrendous.
0: (laughs) Yeah. um, People were really uh, taken aback by the the legs. (laughs) Um, Indeed. Which is good. And then the Remoraz episode, which had the bite and swallow beam, which that thing, its its I don't think it was a beam, was it? Uh, it, yeah, was it was more just, just like, a, if you're a, too close. Yeah,
1: it'll bite and swallow you into its spider tentacle, which is horrifying, Jesus.
0: Yeah, and then it had those finned wings that the Remoraz has on its sides, and that's where we yes, left off.
1: That is where we left off. So, okay, my it's idea horrible for horrible thing is a creation beam, and... I'm not sure how... I, I kind of have two ideas here. Um, but the main one is it can create, a basically, a drone of itself. Um, like, a mini annoying... Like, a, its own little personal... What are those things called? Gazer. Like, it can create a gazer with a beam. Like, a little nice. dancing gazer item that can, like, distract and and move along and do four slams on. So... And it... it I don't think it needs the limit. So, like, you know, these beans are random. So, like, there's a random chance that this thing is going to create a little gazer minion, like, three or four times in the fight. So you might be, end up fighting, like, a whole army of these things.
0: So let me, uh, can I add on to that a little bit? With Absolutely. Um, with, what do you got? I like the gazer thing, but can we give it, like, the T-800s body?
1: Yeah, sure. So absolutely. It's, <laughs> so it's little T-800s
0: yeah it's uh well it's not even little it's it's it could be large just like the the stat you know
1: okay so we it's just gonna make t800s that that yeah,
0: that's horrifying <laughs> holy shit but it, yeah instead of um instead of the the face of Arnold to be the face of a gazer so it'll have those little yeah. eyes and tentacles on top still yeah and the center like eye that. should be the center eye should be the red like tracking eye from the movies
1: Absolutely, 100%. You guys remember no, Terminator wh-
0: 2, the movie from the 1990s? <laughs>
1: um, actually, I think the movie was made in the late 80s, is that, or was, it, the was first, it early 90s?
0: The first one was made in the late 80s, and the second one was made in 91, uh, and I checked I checked that earlier.
1: <laughs>
0: nice. Well, Termina- well Terminator 2 is, yeah. <laughs> Which
1: is the better of the two, but Terminator 1's good. Um, You're right, so what do yeah. we call the beam, then? Because I, I feel like calling it a... a beam of creation or a creation beam doesn't really capture it i mean we could just call it the t800 beam
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, think that's I like it fitting. yeah All right let's call it the t800 so, okay
1: beam. beam settled i got no idea what to do with the feature on this one man it college of swords i just picture more blades okay what do you got yeah
0: and yeah knives instead of teeth
1: <laughs> okay it's got blades for teeth <laughs> That's horrifying. Yeah. I love it. Okay. So it's got steel <laughs> blade teeth. The, okay.
0: Yeah. Cruella so the teeth would cr- normally be Cruella- these like
1: sp-
0: Go ahead. Uh so the blade the the beholder teeth are usually like these spires, right? Or like these fangs, really. Yeah. Like, you yeah. know, they're they're little sharp cones, but instead they'll be like, you know, little uh like like sword columns with the point at the end instead. So yeah, yeah the mouth yeah. is going to look horrifying. Even so more like, horrifying. Cr-
1: Cruel Eyes DeVille was horrifying, but th- there was also yes. like a grace and elegance to Cruel Eyes. Like this thing <laughs> that we're making now, which does not have a name yet, is mag- a magnitude, a whole order of magnitude more horrifying than Cruel Eyes ever was. Um, we're I definitely stepping it up. When we're, like, done. we're
0: upping the ante. Yeah, we're upping we the ante on this for sure. Okay, uh, All right. We're giving the hobble man, uh, we're, cutting, we're cutting his work out for him on this Indeed like 100%. I do have a pitch for the name since we we struggled with it a lot. Um, yes, what do you but got? I think I think it should be uh, R- Rays Rays, like you know Rays from the sun with an S at the end. Uh,
1: oh, Rays, Rays of, uh, Romano. Rays.
0: Yeah, Rays Romano.
1: <sighs> I mean, <laughs> we already got like a couple of things on here that aren't Rays though, so we might want to save that name for the next one. <laughs>
0: i i don't know man i this, that's here i'm leaving it on the table my pitch for this right, name Ray's, is raise romano. romano let us know what you think
1: the raise romano is a tentative name for this horrific monstrosity uh well, yeah let us know <laughs> what you guys think in the comments uh before we go though we have a couple things to do we have a uh, patreon shout outs yes and, and we contests? also we have a contest mentioned- ongoing um uh, want me to lead with the contest yes please So we are giving away uh, two copies of Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft, the newest D&D book coming out. It takes place, of course, in the setting of Ravenloft. I do believe it further details out the other domains of Dread. It's very exciting. I'm very excited for this book, and you should be too. So if you want to win a copy... All you have to do is get on Twitter, share a link to your favorite episode of our show or any of our shows with the hashtag Dungeoncast. You'll be entered to win. We are giving away a copy on uh, release date, which I believe is May 18th. So you got a couple weeks from now. Um, there's also a way to win on Instagram, which Brian can detail uh,
0: more so than I can. Uh, go to Instagram, find the post related to the contest. It should be some art of the Van Richten's book, which the artwork for this book I've been seeing has been phenomenal so far. Indeed. Um, very excited to get in, get in there and see what there's to see. But, uh, find that post, like it, make sure you're following that Instagram account and then tag people in the comments below. One tag equals, uh, one entry. So you can enter as many times as you'd like. Uh, the whole idea is to spread the word about the show. Uh, on that note, please leave us an iTunes review as it really, 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 really helps every time you guys do that, including YouTube comments. Although I think YouTube's algorithm is currently bullying us from some reports I've been seeing. And also there's Same, a lot yeah. of spam going on. So like if you guys see the spam, you know, just report it, I guess. Um, I yeah, think YouTube's absolutely. having an issue with that. I woke up YouTube's to 99 comments right
1: now, which hasn't been great, <clears> but there's nothing we can really do about that.
0: Yeah, not really. But uh, okay, so why don't we get to something uh, a little more pleasant and important to us as well, which is um, thanking everybody who supports us on Patreon. Uh, thank Indeed. you guys so much. We're we're finally getting back to uploading content there, which has been a big relief on our end to to get like new stuff aside from early episodes back in there. Um, so yeah, expect expect more of that as things have uh, started to open up for the post production side of the show. Um at long last. So now uh I wanna thank some specific people that have come into Patreon since our last uh our last shout out. Uh I want to start out by thanking uh X. Thank you, X. Thank you, X. Uh Next up I want to thank the Mystic Womble. Thank you, Mystic Womble was it? Womble?
1: Yes. Mystic Womble. W O M B L E Womble before.
0: Wombo? I don't know. I say wombo combo sometimes. <laughs> this isn't that. Do. It's adjacent. Uh I also want to thank Anne Elizabeth. Thank you, Anne. Not like not like Anne Elizabeth, like her name is or their name is Anne. <laughs> yeah,
1: I got you, man. I get it.
0: <laughs> okay, cool, 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 cool. Uh next up I want to thank the incognito thirty two. What's up, Incognito 32? Thank you. Thank you, Incognito32. Thank you. And finally, last but certainly not least, Luke Sutton. Thank you, Luke. Thank you so much. Luke, like Luke Skywalker. Did I I not say Luke? I thought I said Luke. It almost sounded like you said look, like look at this thing. (laughs) Thank you, Luke. Thank you, Luke. (laughs) Um, (laughs) and that's it. That's, that's who we got. So thank you guys so much. Um, uh, make sure you're, uh, enjoying your bonus content that you are, uh, entitled to per your tier. There's lots of stuff to enjoy on there. Uh, more stuff than we can name, but the big notable ones are, uh, are the stuff that comes out. I think the stuff that comes out on the regular is going to be, um, the dungeon chats, which is a, a separate podcast Will and I do. Um, that's just basically whatever. I think our last topic was, um, was It was a very me-centric episode, so I think we're going to flip the script on the next one and do the same exact episode but for Will. Um, oh, okay. We did that. Yeah, we did top five. Say, I had a
1: different question I wanted to pose you, but that can wait for the next, next episode.
0: Perfect. Yeah, definitely good. We <laughs> we always uh, like suggestions for them. Uh, and we did Crunchy or Smooth, which is if you're like a regular listener across a lot of our mediums, you're going to know that the Crunchy or Smooth is uh, – mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I, we it ch- crunchy, chunky, or smooth, and we did that it's in the episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing um, crunchy, chunky or smooth. All chunky, yeah, crunchy slash chunky or smooth. But the, we we did that's what we did. It was a lot of fun. You can get access to episode notes, that will writes, and then you can do. Uh, um, there's a lot of like actual play stuff in there. Comedy games, um, cool adventure stuff. There should be another one coming out pretty soon, including like Flashbang and the Surgeon, which is a superhero game that we do. And um, OST for Super Quest Saga, as well as all the other projects we do, are on there. Uh, that's a lot of fun to get in there and to listen to, even for me. To go back and hear stuff I made. And uh, yeah, yeah that exclusive merch. Like we're trying to update it and do more things in there all the time. So there's stuff. There's if you want more Dungeon Cast, if you want more Will, Brian, Jake, Freeland, Steve, or etc. Uh, etc. Cetera, et cetera, You can get it at Patreon. Um, But the main thing is really, like, thank you guys for supporting us there. We really, really appreciate it. Indeed. With that, I believe we can call it a game. Let's call it a game.
1: We'll talk to you guys later. Bye.